Okay, I'm going to continue in Numbers, the 10th chapter. We talked about uh, wanting to continue in this. This is Numbers, the 10th chapter. I'm going to read from the first 10 verses. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Take, take two trumpets of silver, of one piece, of a whole one piece, will you make them, that you may use them for the calling of the assembly and for the journeying of the camp. And when they will blow with them, all the assembly will assemble themselves to you at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And if they blow, if they blow, but with one trumpet, and that one trumpet there, this the one trumpet, then the princes, which are the heads, of the thousands of Israel will gather themselves unto you. And this is a beautiful picture of Acts chapter 6 and verse 4. When you blow an alarm, then the camps that lie on the east parts will go forward. And when you blow an alarm the second time, then the camps that lie on the south side will take their journey. They will blow an alarm for their journeys. But when the congregation is to be gathered together, you will blow, but you will not sound an alarm. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, will blow with the trumpets, and they will be to you for an ordinance forever throughout your generations. And if you go to war in your land, we know that this is a type of our spiritual warfare. We know that in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, in verses 10 to 18, our enemies aren't flesh and blood. Now, Israel's were. We're, we're seeing that today. Israel's enemies were flesh and blood, but actuated by the enemy. Our, ours are that. You see, and that's why when we study and we read the book, the epistle to Ephesians, we look in the type, and the type is from the book of Joshua. And when they entered into the promised land, all their enemies were there. We know that all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen, just settled. Aren't you thankful this morning that we can come and hear that everything about us, everything about God and us, everything between God and us, everything about Christ and us, and us and Christ is forever settled. Forever settled to his eternal, complete satisfaction. Then if you go to war in your land, and the enemy always comes against the promises. Our land is the promises. The promises are Christ himself. He is where we dwell. You see, Israel is to dwell in their own land, regardless of what is going on right now. It will always be there, because God has promised. He doesn't lie. Numbers 23 and verse 19, and Titus 1, 2, and Hebrews 6 and verse 18. And if you go to war in your land against the enemy that oppresses you, then will you blow an alarm with the trumpets and you will be remembered before the Lord your God. God will remember. He'll bring in to you his God. When the enemy comes against us, in Psalm 56 and verse 9, and we cry unto him, this we know. And this is what he wants us to remember, that God is for us. 
And in Romans 8, verse 31 to 39, if God be for us, if and he is, since God for us, does it even matter who's against us? You will be remembered before the Lord your God, and you will be delivered. You will be saved from your enemies. This brings out the beautiful truth. For us as the church, his heavenly people, Israel is his earthly people. We see their struggles now. We are heavenly people. You see, everything is settled about us. Not so with them right now, but God is moving them forward to that. You'll be safe from your enemies. And also in the day of your gladness, and in your solemn days, and in the beginning of your months, you will blow with the trumpets. And notice this is over your burnt offerings. You see, the burnt offerings. This brings in the beautiful truth of, and if we see this very clearly, the beautiful truth of it, about the burnt offerings we see in Leviticus, the first chapter, and we see how they function, and as they're a part of what those trumpets would call to those feasts, those festivals, those, those times of gladness and enjoying, as much as those trumpets would then call to war. And we see that the festivities, the feasts there in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. And also in your days of gladness and in your solemn days, and this is a very solemn and sobering, sobering day for us, settled for us, and yet we see what is going on in Israel. In your solemn days and in the beginnings of your month. You see, even in our country, these are solemn days. We can see it on the campuses of universities that started to be universities for the preaching of the Word of God. That's why they call them the Ivy School, the Ivy League and the Ivy Schools. They were founded upon the Word of God, the teaching of it. And now we see what is being taught there. So again, also in the day of your gladness, and we are to assemble. And thank God we can assemble on Christ, our foundation in Matthew 16 and 18. And we're very careful, and we need to be. How uh, We are edified on it in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 11. But nevertheless, we're very glad. It's a day of gladness in us. And at the same time, it's a day of really being sober. And it's a, a solemn day. And it says in the beginning of your months, you will blow with the trumpets over your burnt offerings. You see, God had to be propitiated. And we see this truth in Genesis 22 and verse 8. We see it again. And the result of it, and, thank, and the results that even we can function in Exodus 12, 1 to 13 in those types. Your burnt offerings. First and foremost, this is teaching us propitiation. You see, the word is teaching us how God had to be, his nature, character, and essence had to be propitiated to deal with the sin question, to deal with the sin question, to deal with the angelic conflict which it has been dealt with. And then, of course, for us, as Christ our substitute, whereby we are reconciled. And we can have a feast of communion with him, and this brings out 1 John chapter 1, 
verses 1 through 10, but specifically in those first beautiful seven verses there. Your burnt offerings, and then over the sacrifices of your peace offerings, you see. And because God has been propitiated, Christ has propitiated him, dealt with the sin question in John 1 and verse 29. And that meant that dealing with the violence that went against his nature, character, and essence, Jesus Christ, and between the God, the Father, and Jesus Christ, propitiation was dealt with, and the only part that you and I had when Christ was on the cross, the only part we ever had was our sins were put on him. We see that again in Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 4, and we see the result of it and the process of it and the growth of it in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 and 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. Learning our precious Savior, who to this moment is filled up. The whole time he was on the earth and the whole time he's the heavenly one now, we see him filled up with all that grace and truth is in John 1 and verse 14. So you'll blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings. You see, we have peace. Because Christ is our peace in Ephesians 2 and verse 14, and it was one for us on his cross in Colossians 1 and verse 20. You see, we get to experience the peace of a loving father, and that's why Jesus said to Mary at the tomb, when she finally recognized him by hearing him say her name like no one else could say it, like no one, no one can say our name, declare our very nature other than Christ, who is our life in Colossians 3 and verse 4. We have this loving relationship with the Father in John 20 and verse 17. We have that. And so we see it here again. We see it here beautifully. We have that, this, this peace offering that, that can, will be a memorial before your God. And then he says, I am. That's the I am of Exodus 3 and verse 14. That's the I am of John 8 and 58. Jesus Christ is the great I am. The great manifestation and revelation of the very nature, character, and essence of God. I am the Lord your God. This is why the Holy Spirit, why are we reading Numbers, the 10th chapter, 1 through 10? The reason that we are reading it is because this word right here, and we must remember in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all scripture, not just some, all scripture. You cannot break apart the old from the new. You, you see the new is 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 contained in the old in seed form. The old is unfolded in the new, and through the new we unfold the old, and it's one unbreakable organic truth. It cannot be broken. The scriptures cannot be broken. They're written for our admonition, for our learning in Romans 15 and verse 4. They're written for our learning so that we can learn not to lust like they did. To learn that in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 6. To learn that in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 11. And how did they learn when to have joy? It was the, the trumpet. 
It was called a silver trumpet. We know that silver, all through the word of God, is symbolic of redemption. We've been bought back. We've been bought back. Even in the types, we see they dwelt in tents. Just like we. We dwell in these tents, these physical bodies. But the tents that they had that were attached to the earth were of silver pegs. Silver. Meaning there was nothing about them on this earth. Not one thing was like them about this world system. Jesus said in John 17 and verse 14 in his high priestly prayer, he said, I am not of this world. And of course, John 17 and verse 16, neither are we of this world. You see the, 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 the preaching and teaching of the word, which is representative of the silver trumpet, is that that calls us as the assembled one, the ecclesia. We are the church. We don't go to church. We don't have a specific church. We are the church, the one church in Matthew 16 and verse 18. And that's what Jesus was saying as he spoke it, and he was speaking it in the future and seeing all the way into the future because he declares the end from the beginning in Isaiah 46 and verse 10. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning in Acts 15 and verse 18. And Jesus said in John 13 and verse 19 and in John 14 and verse 29, I tell you these things before they come to pass that when they come to pass, you might believe. That's when they knew it was a time to come together, assemble, ek, out, out. We're called out of the world. And then we assemble together. The most important thing, of course, we, uh, of course, is receiving Christ as our Savior and being born, born again, born into him, born new, renewed, renewed again. And constantly having our minds renewed. We see this in, in Romans 12, 1 to 2, and we see it in Ephesians 4 and verse 23. We need to constantly have our minds renewed so that we don't. And when our feet get dirty, and in John the 13th chapter in verses 4 through 10, we come, and then the word cleans us, and we're cleansed. We're cleansed by that word, the washing of the word in Ephesians 5, 26 and 27. And this is what happens, and this is what the need of the trumpet side. You see, it's very important, the Word of God. Very, very important. It's never been more important than it is today. Well, what we see here, and we see it again, is very necessary for our learning. Why? Because this is God breathing out inspiration to us. We need to be inspired. And it only happens... It happens through the silver trumpets. It happens through the silver trumpets. You know, the entire history of Israel in the type here, the, their whole history had to do with how they responded to those silver trumpets. The one long-sounding trumpet in the Hebrew was called the Tekiah, T-E-K-I-A-H. The other would be short, continuous sounds that we would hear and that the Israelites would hear and that was teruah teruah t-e-r-u-a-h those were with the two those two taught us and teach us to come it's time to worship it's time to be filled up with the light of his love 
and then filled up with the light of his love. And not until then do you go to war. Because you know that we're to stand still in Exodus 14 and verse 13 and to see the salvation of the Lord because the battle is the Lord's in Exodus 14, 14. And we have to go forward. How do we go forward until we hear the redemptive preaching, the redemptive sound of the trumpet? You see, every, their entire history had to do with that. The most important thing, obviously, and that you can't separate being receiving Christ as your Savior and then constantly receiving the preaching and teaching of the Word. There's really not any separation of it as far as God is concerned. And so, this is, was dealing with Israel. Did you know they, they would sound those? They sounded, it wasn't the, the silver one there, it was the shofar, it was the ram's horn that called them to Rosh Hashanah. The 10-day period between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the great day of atonement, there were 10 days and 10 speaks of judicial completion. God dealing with us, correcting us correcting us with his very nature, character, and essence, being met and teaching, and was always teaching Israel that, and he's teaching us that this morning. And that time was called Teshuvah, and that Teshuvah was a constant turning. And oh, how do we know even what we should turn from unless we hear the silver trumpet until we come and hear the word of God, until nothing is put ahead of, listen, hearing the word of God. How will they hear in, in Romans 10 and verse 14 and 15? But how will they hear without a preacher? How will they hear? There are many sounds. There are many tunes. Again, this is why we speak honestly. Again, I want to make it very, very clear. Even with music, it's not just the words. It's the particular beat. There's a heavenly beat. There's a heavenly tune with heavenly words and they go together. And then there's a earthly, sensual, and demonic tune. These tunes is in, in Numbers, the 10th chapter, in these 10 verses, is what the Holy Spirit had the Apostle Paul through him, the word through him, to teach him and him as a vessel written from Christ, the heavenly Christ, to teach us. In 1 Corinthians 14, 6 through 12, that there are many sounds, there are many tunes in the world. Many sounds, many voices that give a certain sound. But how will we prepare ourselves to know what true worship is unless we have the right sound, the right tune, the right beat, the right words, the beauty of them? How will we know without that? How would Israel know? How would they know when they're supposed to come and have, have feast together, communion with, with Christ? And how are we to know when we're to have communion with each other and to feast with each other in local assemblies? How are we to do that? How are we to do that? And how are we to know when we're in the midst of warfare until we hear the silver trumpet? Precise preaching and teaching through God's precious word. Well, those tunes, those sounds, and they're going on. There may be a delay in Israel, but they were going on before they were attacked. 
because it spoke of them what they were to do presently that dealt with their past. That's what the sound was, especially the silver trumpet, and what their future will be in the millennial reign with Christ. They will have their land, and Christ will rule and reign with them, just like we are his heavenly people. We are above the earth right now, even though we're in the world system, but we're not of it. But Israel will have her day. Genesis 49 and verse 10, 2 Samuel 7, 13 and 14, they will have their day. They will have their day in Isaiah 11, 1 through 16. They will have their day in Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34. They will have their day when all of that will be instituted again in that land. Well, what we see going on right now, thank God, everything is settled for us already. But they'll have it. And you'll see all of that that went on in the Old Covenant will now will now happen where Jesus Christ will sit on a throne where he rules and reigns and all of those sacrifices will be instituted again. And you see this in Isaiah and in Ezekiel chapters 40 to 46. We'll see it and we'll see the result of it. But right now, we, can, we see Jesus in, he, in Hebrews 2.9 and we see why he was made a little lower by the suffering of death that he might redeem us and be the captain of our salvation and what it took for him to suffer and everything that he went through. Well, the sound of the trumpet was supposed to be familiar, a, a, a sound that they loved. To every ear, it says, that was circumcised. Every ear. We'll see this in teaching in the future, I hope, if we still have the time precise preaching and teaching if we still have the time, that the blood of the sacrifice was to be put on the ear, the right ear of each believer. On their right ear. There was a reason for that. We can obey because God's made the way through Christ. We can obey. There's absolutely no question about it, but we can't without a yoke. Without being yoked up to him, we'll never hear the sound of the trumpet. But that trumpet was, was to be very familiar to every ear that had to be circumcised, separated the flesh from the spirit. In Hebrews 4 and verse 12, the soul, the carnal fleshly soul from the heavenly man that the new man in Christ we see in Hebrews 4 and verse 12. The sound of the trumpet was to be familiar, was to be something that they, was attractive to them, to every circumcised ear. We see it. Two other places where the blood was placed besides the ear, and we'll get into that at a different time. But to that circumcised ear, what did they hear? The deep desire of the intimacy of God's love that he wanted to communicate to them, the thoughts of his mind, the mind of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 16, and that's what all those types brought out. The type of the mercy seat in Exodus 25, 17 to 22. All the types that are brought out, even all the way through those 23 chapters of Leviticus and what was teaching all through that all through it and how it was to be dealt with, all that leaven that was to be dealt with. Well, 
And God does take care, you know, when two or three. And that's what it's down to today. That's what it's down to this morning. That two or three won't hold him back from you and I hearing the silver trumpet, the tones of the very testimony, the very witness of God's love for us so that he may be known. Each trumpet was made of one piece. There were two. And two also in the Bible, the number two also speaks of separation. We can be separated unto evil or we can be separated unto Christ. How does that happen between the two without the, the preaching and teaching? The preaching and teaching. The two trumpets, what did it bring out here? It brought out Jesus Christ's high priestly prayer that they may be one as we are one in John 17, 11, 21, and 22. You see, the source of everything, the source of everything about us has to do with the testimony of that trumpet. And for the Israelites, every movement in the camp was to be the result of the sound of the trumpet. You see, this is the preaching and teaching of the word. It calls the assembly to come together. The call, the call. And that's why by the grace of God, these Tuesday mornings to which we have changed so many times for people to be able to come and hear is a call to assemble. A call to assemble. And there's a certain sound that it gives out. And that certain sound is that beautiful counsel that God gives to those that choose to submit to the hearing of the trumpet because they have a circumcised ear. They are circumcised from their flesh. They don't live for themselves. They don't count their lives in Acts 20, 24, dear unto themselves. They, they esteem others more important than themselves and their schedules and their plans. They don't look on their own things, but they look on the things of others. Why? Because they have the mind of Christ through the silver trumpets. Was, again, every movement for the Israelites in their camp was to be the result of the sound of the trumpet. I just think of how much so many miss when they have the opportunity to gather together to hear the word, to hear Christ, to hear his testimony, to see his glory. You see all through the Psalms, you read it. They were called to the tabernacle and to the temple to see his glory. And of course, we see it in Christ because Christ is in us. He's the hope of that, the guarantee of that glory, that manifestation that will be that is ours right now in Colossians 1 and verse 27, that glory that he gave to us in John 17 and verse 22. But we will also not only have that when we're in his presence, when we finally hear that trumpet call in Revelation 4.1, come up here. Come up here, the trumpet call. The Holy Spirit told John the Apostle on that insane asylum, he, he said, I heard a voice as it were a trumpet 
calling me to come up. You see, that's what the word's constantly doing to us, even while we're here on this earth. It's calling us up to our heavenly position. To see in Song of Solomon 4 and verse 7, there's no spot in us. We're all fair. There's no spot in us. And then we're to look from the top in Song of Solomon chapter 4 and verse 8. We're to set our mind in Colossians 3 and verse 2 on things above, not on things of the earth. Why? Because we, we're dead. We died in Christ. Meaning we have no right. God never gave us a right ever again to live. It's not a right of God. It's not a righteousness of God to live in the flesh, to make our own choices apart from the word of God. Everything about their movement, every move they made was the result of the sound of that trumpet. There was a certain sound. It was all regulated by the silver trumpet. Well, whether it was to get together and have a feast, have a feast of the word of God, feasting on Christ, feasting on the manna in Exodus, the 16th chapter, 12 to 15, feasting on manna, and then taking more for ourselves, and then getting up early and, and, and taking more for ourselves so that those that don't have a very strong capacity, we have some to give to them. That's why I believe it, that God calls us to go to certain places. I firmly believe that for all of us. Everything was regulated by that trumpet. Whether it was to come and have a feast and fellowship and the joy of and being in his presence in Psalm 1611 and Nehemiah 8, 10, having it as be our strength, based upon that love that's ours in Galatians 5, 22. Love. And then when we function in it, we have such joy. There's a solemnity in it, but there's joy nevertheless. Even when he corrects us, when we receive it the right way, loving chastisement in Proverbs 3, 10 and 11, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4, right to 29. There's joy in it. There's joy with a, with a godly sorrow, but never without joy in that correction. So whether they were to get together for that feast, come together to hear the word, or when the enemy was coming in, and they need to pre prepare themselves for war again, Ephesians 6, 10. To 18. Whenever all had to do with the sound of the silver trumpet. But those that don't gather together honestly when they have the opportunity. They function in the rest. They function, I should say, in the fruit of a restless an unsubmitted, unsubdued will, which, of course, God can by no means sanction that. He never gives us grace to live in the flesh, never. He never gives us grace to live in disobedience, never. And do I even know without what areas are disobedience and obedience without the sound of the silver trumpet? Do, do any of us? Well, 
No, we hear the trumpet. And for us, the trumpet sounds. And God this morning is sounding the trumpet, the silver trumpet. It's, it's Christ speaking redemption to us through him by the power of the Holy Spirit. Speaking peace, 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 peace. We see in Isaiah 57, 19 to 21, he's speaking peace, peace to them that are near, to the two or three this morning that are near, and to them that are far off. To come once again and experience the peace that Christ is in Colossians. In Colossians 1, 20, which was won by the cross, and he becomes that peace in Ephesians 2 and verse 14. And when we have that peace, when the storm is raging, we have that peace, that irene, E-I-R-E-N-E, we have that peace, we have that calm in the midst of spiritual warfare that nothing can disturb or distract. In Philippians 4 and verse 7, we have the peace of God, and it mounts garrison. It's a guard around us. While we still see and still realize the day that we are in, in our country, in this world system, is a day of a very solemn day, but yet not without joy. Because we're seeing prophecy in Second Peter 1, 19 to 21. But thank God, it all has to do with his will. He didn't, he didn't create the evil. He doesn't tempt anyone with evil in James 1 and verse 13. No, he doesn't violate people's wills, but there is a price to pay. You can see that. You can see that in Proverbs, the 16th chapter, there's 31 verses, and you can see up to the 31st verse, I should say. You can see the lot is cast in, into our lap, but the whole disposing thereof, the one that we're accountable to, is God. And that's why it's so necessary for us to know as believers, to hear the trumpet that says, the time is short. In 1 Corinthians 7, 29, the time is shortened. The time is shortened. Ask any older person. The time is shortened. We're to redeem it in Ephesians 5 and verse 16 because time will be no more. In Revelations 10, verse 6, Time will be no more. So they can have peace. We can have peace because Christ is our peace. Because otherwise, when we don't come to hear the trumpet, when we don't come to submit and assemble, when we don't do that, read Hebrews 10 and verse 25, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and exhort one another to do it much more as you see the day approaching. And to not live by excuses, not to excuse ourselves from hearing the word of God. Not to. God will give us permission to do so. It's like when you're in school, you to be excused, you need a permission slip. And there's times when that happens. There's times, but there is no excuse for disobedience in John 15 and verse 22, based upon based upon 1 John 2, 1 and 2. God does not make a provision for any of us 
to live in disobedience, but through his love, through the trumpet, the silver trumpet, teaching redemption constantly, buying us constantly back experientially to a proper position and a proper image. He never gives grace for us to live in sin. In Romans 6, 1 and 15, and how do I even know what sin is? Sins of ignorance, Leviticus 4 and verse 27. What are sins of ignorance until I come? And the word lights up, not in condemnation or accusation, but the light comes in. Because whatsoever does discover what is sin and what isn't is light. In Ephesians 5 and verse 13, then we can awake instead of sleeping in the deadness of the world because of the light of the word, the silver trumpet preaching in Ephesians 5 and verse 14. We see it. You see, we are a, a pilgrim, just like, just like Israel. They were taken out of Egypt, the world system in type, out of, from Pharaoh, a type of Satan. They were led out of the world, out of that system, out of that satanic system, they were led out into the wilderness and they were on their way to the promised land like you and I are. Here we don't have a continuing city. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 14. No, here we have no continuing city. We don't settle down. In 1 Peter 2, 11, we're strangers and pilgrims. We're on our way to our face-to-face -face meeting with Christ. He is our promised land in whom all the promises are finished. Yes, and we agree in 2 Corinthians 1, 20 and not 1. And 1 Kings 8, 56 falls to the ground. No, it'll go to where God sent it and it'll accomplish it. In Isaiah 55, 8 through 10 and Ezekiel 12 and verse 25. We're a pilgrim and we're in this worldly, this wilderness worldly system. We are. But we are dependent upon the sound of the trumpet as upon the movement of the cloud. You see, the cloud and the trumpets work together. You see, the cloud was that that protected them. What was the cloud? The cloud kept them. What is the cloud? Teaching dependence. I don't see it yet, God, but can I trust you? Well, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is a substantiation, the title deed, the proof of ownership of things that are guaranteed, but they're not seen by sight. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we don't walk by sight, flesh. We don't use the flesh as an excuse to live in disobedience. None of us have that right. Because the cross says, has crucified the world, and we would go and function in disobedience. In Galatians 6 and verse 14, the cross, Jesus Christ on Calvary, crucified the world to us, and he crucified us to the world. See, this has to do with the two trumpets. The two trumpets, the Kea and Surah, teaching us constant dependence upon every single movement. And that cloud spoke of absolute faith dependence in Exodus 13 and verse 21 and verse 22. And when the cloud would lift up, they would go forward. And it was teaching dependence in the cloud. You can't see your circumstance and situation. None of us can without absolute faith dependence upon Jesus Christ. Without it. Because without him, without him, in John 15, 1 to 5, we can do nothing. The only thing that we can as believers depend upon 
in its absolute utter ruin. And treachery is the flesh, and there's no good in it in Romans 7.18 and John 6.63. They depended on the movement of the cloud by day and the fire by night. That the way was lit up. But the movement of the cloud and the trumpets worked together. And they were to govern every movement through the thousands of Israel. Thousands upon thousands, approximately some have said, 2.4 million Jews, that first generation that were led out. And by the way, that first generation was led out, but in Numbers, the 13th chapter, out of that first generation, only two entered into the promised land because of obedience, because of not looking by sight. And that's what Numbers, the 13th chapter teaches, not to walk by sight. For us as believers, not to go by the flesh, not to want our way and be stubborn and resist. Resist, and to resist those that God has lovingly placed over us as our guides in Hebrews 13 and verse 17. That was their movement, and it was to govern many. And it was to be done, who was to blow the trumpets? It was Aaron, and he was a type of Christ. And Jesus, oh boy, did he preach. You see it all through the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and you see it in John constantly re-teaching. And, you know, the thing that he constantly was teaching the Jews was what? Teshuvah, turn, repent. Repent, come. You know, we can't change our mind about things that we struggle with, we try to, without coming to assemble. And that's what the psalmist prayed, turn me. In Psalm 25 and verse 16, in Psalm 80 and verse 3, in Psalm 85 and verse 4, he cried out, Oh God, turn us. Because it's the goodness of God that leads us to turn, to change our minds, to do an about face with bad attitudes about others. In Romans 2 and verse 4. But the priest, the, the Aaron and his sons, the priests, were to blow with the trumpets. Why? Because the mind of God can only be known and communicated in priestly nearness and communion with him. And that's what Ephesians 4 and verse 8 is. Those are the men that are connected to Christ. They have a yoke that Christ flows through them. He never flows through me or any of us. He never flows through the flesh. He, he flows through the power of the Holy Spirit when that man is, is connected to Christ. That's Ephesians 4.8. Those are the ones that he gave. Those that are in heaven, <clears throat> in Hebrews 13.7, to teach us dependence. And then those that we have on the earth, in Hebrews 13 and verse 17, that are our guides. They're our guides. And we may think we know the word enough to know what we should do but not think that I need to come to the local assembly and to submit to those guides that God has given us in Hebrews 13, 17, and then to function independent of a local assembly through private plan. Trumpet never calls us to do that, not any of us. And what was it? It's the high and holy privilege of the priestly family. And he's made us 
in Revelation 5 and verse 10, and 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. He's made us a kingdom of priests. And you know what a priest does. You can see it in Ezekiel, the 44th chapter. He goes in to the presence of God for himself and for others. He's got a prayer life. His prayer life is not about himself. No. Paul did not count his life dear unto himself. He didn't. That he, could, that he might finish his ministry. What he told the Colossians, the Holy Spirit through Paul, in Colossians 4 and verse 17. To finish being united to Christ. And if he's and you're united to him, then you have a gift. You have a gift. We each, we each have this gift. We have a gift. And those gifts now, we each have one, but we have them in Ephesians 4.11. There are no more apostles because they, they were used by Jesus to, to lay the foundation and to finish the canon of scriptures and, and, and ending with the book of Revelations in AD 96. And some prophets but both a New Testament to complete it, but never taking the new covenant apart from the old with that teaching. And yes, we're not earthly people, we're heavenly people. And we can see God getting this earth ready with all the signs pointing towards it in Matthew, the 24th chapter, for the second advent, for Christ to come back to the earth when we come back with him in Revelations 19, 11 to 16, for him to set up his kingdom in Revelations chapter 20, verses 3 and 4. For that thousand year millennial kingdom where we rule and reign with Christ, married to him as he rules and reigns over Israel and all the other nations. Oh boy. All those other nations that were their enemy now have to come and submit to them as they rule and reign over them with us in Christ ruling and reigning over them. This is how close we are. That's the trumpet sound. Time is very short. But it was that high and holy privilege of the priestly family to cluster around the sanctuary of God. They were told when, where, and how to meet. It was never left up to them any more than it is this morning. That's why, again, so many times we've changed the schedule so that others could come and hear. So that others could come and hear with a crystal clear sound of the word of God. And we all need to come. All of us need to come. I need to come. We all need to come. But that word can only be preached properly when whoever that pastor teacher is or that evangelist has given himself in prayer to God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit in Acts 6 and verse 4. Then that word is given to him. And that word that has been imputed, the truth about who we are in our position, can now come out with life, experiential life. But only as that individual is close, submitted to him in James 4 and verse 7. They were responsible, and I am responsible to give a certain sound. Preach the word. There's a charge. In 2 Timothy 4 and verse 1, preach the word. 
in season and out of season. In 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2, it doesn't seem like it, God. It doesn't seem like many want to come and hear. It doesn't seem like it. doesn't matter. Preach the word in season and out of season. Why? You're doing it for others or are you doing it for Christ? Is your obedience to Christ or to people? Are you trying to be a, a servant of God or a servant of man? In Galatians 1.10, in Ephesians 6.6, 6, in 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 4, in Colossians 3.17, right down to verse 22 and 25. Do we do it? What is the reason for it? In season and out of season. Whether you feel like it or not, God, I don't feel like it. God, I just don't feel like doing it anymore. Yes, preach it. Preach the word. Not according to your feelings, but according to obedience to that very word. Preach it. Yes, Lord, but I don't think many here. We make the time. We make it available. Yes. Who are you doing it for? Who are you doing it for? Who are you doing it for, Ed? Lord, I just pray and hope it's because of love for you. I pray and hope that's what it's for. It's for you first. First and foremost. So then preach it in season, out of season. Rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. You know why? Why is that, Lord? Why keep going with the trumpet? Why? Because there's going to come a time in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 3 that others will not hear. Christians, they'll stop hearing. They'll give, they'll depart from the faith. And he, in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1, they will depart from the faith. They stopped hearing the silver trumpet. They got familiar with it. They got used to it because the manna was there every morning. But they just had to get up. What would keep us? What schedule? What plan would keep us from getting up and gathering the manna? Christ coming down through the power of the Holy Spirit through his word. What would keep us from that? And so those that were in authority, the authority of, of Christ over them, the authority of his love. And that's why the Bible teaches us that the pastor is not your authority. He's been given authority to preach the word, to lead others to the authority, Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12 makes it clear. 1 Timothy 2.5 makes it very, very clear. There's one mediator between God and men. It is the man, him only, Christ Jesus. There's no other name given unto heaven whereby men must be saved. It means constant deliverance. Delivered once through salvation, but a continual deliverance through hearing the word. We see it crystal clear in Acts 4 and verse 12. And they were responsible, and I am responsible to give a certain sound. And every member, and we are what? Gathered, what are we? Are we in the midst of conflict? Are we in God's army? Are we? Yes. Ephesians 6, 10. Right through to the 19th verse as we pray for others. Pray for the preaching of the word for those that do it. And I'm so thankful for those that do. 
and for the one that does it. And that's Ephesians 6, uh, 10, 18, and 19. They're to give a, a certain sound, responsible. And every member of that militant host was equally responsible to yield a ready and implicit obedience. Because if anyone were to do anything in that camp, if they were to do anything, if they were tempted to do a single thing apart from that trumpet sound, from the preaching of the word, if they were tempted to move or to go anywhere without that sound, it would be absolute rebellion without the command of the word. And then to stay. There are times to stay and not go forward. Sound of a trumpet. Then there's a sound to go forward. And it would be just as much disobedience to not go forward <laughs> when you're called to do so, when it doesn't seem convenient. But you do it as a, in obedience and love, the exchange of love life to Christ. Because, you know, and he teaches us in 1 John 4, 10, here in his love, not that we loved him, no, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for us. So now we can love. In 1 John 4 and verse 19, we can love. How do we return his love? Through responding to the word, the initiation of his word, and, and responding and loving him back with that same love that actuated and caused that love in us. Thereby, when I, it's the measure that I love God will be the measure that I love those that God loves. This is brought out. In First John chapter 4, you can look at it right to the 20th verse. Well, as we close this morning, it would be absolute rebellion to not go forward when we should. And then it would be positive and complete rebellion to not stay when we should without the word of command. All had to wait upon the divine testimony and walk in the light at the very moment that that scripture, that trumpet sound, that preaching and teaching was given. Because to move without that divine testimony, to go forward, to think that we could go forward without it, would be to move in darkness. And to refuse to move when the testimony was given would be to remain in the Very, very, very practical for us this morning. God wants to see and us to experience the force of his love through his will, through his word that Christ is. These things in Numbers 10, 1 through 10, and with Romans 15 and verse 4 and 1 Corinthians 10, 6 and 11 are written for our admonition and warning. The warning sound of the trumpet counsel is loving counsel. We are to be absolutely, we're not our own. First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. We're not our own. We were bought with a price. And God's people are to be absolutely dependent upon the whole subject of divine testimony and every single thing they do, every thought, every word, every deed, every single moment. And there'll be times of the signal of an alarm that there's an uncircumcised, deadly foe 
trying to take us away from intimacy with Christ. Thank God for the word. They worshiped and they fought according to the trumpet. They journeyed and they halted in simple obedience to the trumpet call. It was not, we need to hear this as we close, it was not by any means a question of what they liked or what they didn't dislike. It wasn't a question of their thoughts. Read Psalm 10 and verse 4. God is not in all their thoughts, not in any of them. And when we function in thoughts that aren't God's, one thought, Jesus Christ, we make him, we try to make God to be like us in Psalm 50 and verse 24. And they have a form of godliness in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 5, but they deny the power thereof. And that power in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24 is Christ himself and by his power and his alone in 1 Peter 1, 5 were kept. Were kept. So it wasn't a question of what they liked or what they disliked. What they thought was maybe a great message and what wasn't. It wasn't, didn't have to do with our thoughts. Our opinions, Proverbs 18, 1 and 2, not are our judgments. It was simply and entirely a question of implicit obedience. Their every movement, like ours, was dependent upon the testimony, the witness of God's word, as given by the priests from that sanctuary where they gathered together. The song of the worshiper. Yeah, there's songs. I want to make it clear again this morning. Not just the words, but the beat. I want to make it crystal clear this morning. The song of the worshiper, in Hebrews 13, 15, and the shout of the warrior, as being more than conquerors in Romans 8, 37, were each the simple fruit of their own testimony, their own obedience, the love of God. And Father, we thank you this morning for the preaching of the word, for the men that you've given us, all of us. Giving us Christ, your very word in John 1, 1 and 1, 14. And giving us those, those that have gone home to be with you in Hebrew, Hebrews 13, 7. Those that you've given to us on this earth right now in Hebrews 13, 17. To be our guides. You see, Israel needed a guide. That's why he raised up Moses. And so do we. And thank you for them, Lord. I thank you for all the precious men that you've used and given to me in my life. Thank you and praise you, Lord. And thank you for each member of the body, each particular member in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27 that make up the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. And every body, we're one body. In Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, we have one head in Colossians 1, 18 and 2, 19. Thank you, Father, for this reality in Jesus' name. Amen.